Hey everybody, it's Paul Yeager. This is the MTOM Show podcast, a production of Iowa PBS and the Market to Market TV show. It's Hannah Borg time. We're going to go back and visit with one of our guests from 2019. Hannah was just finishing up her time at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and was about to head home to the farm in Northeast Nebraska. She's gone there. She's done what she thought she did. But getting to where she's at today in 2023, well, that journey is what our story is going to be today. I thank Hannah a ton uh, for her uh, meeting with us back in 2019 and then also going through a whole bunch of hoops to get together for the video that we had today. So I thank her for that. And uh, she calls it a splendid isolation to use a PBS Ken Burns title. We don't fully explain it. We just kind of glance over. But at the end, when we got done recording, Hannah said, I really feel that that's what it is. I'm in a splendid isolation. And I know many of you who are out on the farm think of, uh, maybe you don't think of what you do as that, but it is. You enjoy what you do, just like I do. And I enjoy that you are listening and watching this episode. If you have any feedback for me, send me an email at paul.yeager at iowapbs.org. Like, rate, review, share, tell a friend. That really is what means a lot. It's when you share this conversation with someone else that you think might enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy this chat with Hannah Borg. Hannah Borg, back with us again. Or, as I like to say the title of the episode, it's Hannah Borg. How you been? <laughs> it is Hannah Borg. Thanks for having me. You know, it's, I looked back, it was, I think, February of 2019 when we last talked and you were just about to embark on this whole crazy adventure. What's 2019, Hannah Borg, uh, looking back and wondering, where did 2023 Hannah Borg end up? Is she in the spot she thought she'd be? Yeah, 2019, Hannah had no idea what she was in for. Um, so some contacts at that time, I was a senior in college. And all I knew was that I was going home to the farm to raise chickens. So we got we got our first placement of chickens, um, 60,000 of them, the Tuesday of my senior year finals week. So I spent uh, the, you know, a lot of my spring break at home um, getting ready for chickens. And then my parents, you know, I had to go back to college, um, finish things out. And uh, it was really chaotic, you know, finishing se senior year and then also being stressed about, uh, you know, chick getting the chicken barns ready because it was new construction. Um, we got chickens that Tuesday and I think my body crashed. I got so sick and I was supposed to have a final on Wednesday. I ended up going to the doctor. I had a sinus infection. I had to get a doctor's note. So when I went back to Lincoln on Thursday, I had an excuse on why I didn't show up to my finals. Took my two finals on that Thursday and came home. And here I am, almost four years later, still at home. <laughs> still at home. But uh, if you follow you on social media, I see some pictures of chickens, but I see you doing a whole lot more. You thought you would help your, your family. Mm -hmm. Are you helping or are you partnered in and side by side? Yeah, it's interesting. So a little bit of context. Um, I'm the sixth generation on my family's farm. Um, currently, there's three generations. My grandma is 89, still at the home place, very active, very involved in our lives. My dad and his three brothers are all farming as well. 
Uh, so we all have our own individual livestock operation. And then we kind of share some stuff on the crop side. So my parents um, and our family, we raise crops, cattle, and chickens. So my lane is chickens. We raise pullets for Lincoln Premium Poultry, or you might know them as Costco. Um, and we get two batches a year. Um, we also have a feedlot where we background calves. And then we, my brother and I have a cow-calf herd. So the easiest way for me to explain it is we all kind of have our lanes to stay in. So when it comes to management, I wear the manager hat in the chicken barns behind my mom. Uh, my mom is the manager of the chicken barns, but I'm kind of daily operations. When it comes to the feedlot, my dad and brother are the ones managing that. And then my brother is the one managing the cow herd and I'm kind of labor and uh, idea, the person to bounce ideas off of with the cow stuff. So that was very complicated to explain. To answer your original question, I am helping my family a lot, but I also get to have a management role when it comes to the chicken barns alongside my mom. Has it gone smoothly? <laughs> Uh, I appreciate your hesitation when you ask that question um, because there's a lot that goes into working with your family. So the first year at home, um, first of all, I had to live with my parents. So I'm living and working with my parents as well as, you know, we're starting a new business and I'm trying to transition out of college. A lot of times we talk about there's a lot of a lot of talk about transitioning into college but no one talks about the transition out of college. You know, you go from seeing your friends every day, having a good time, to the next day, you're trying to figure it out. Um, so I lived with my parents while I'm trying to manage all this stuff because, you know, rural Nebraska is kind of hard to find a place to live. Um, also, starting a new business with no previous experience is a wild experience. And then um, starting a business with a lot of equipment, working with the contract company, and new, <laughs> a new animal. Um, yeah, mix that all together, and you've got one heck of a mess when it comes to emotional stability. Um, so my first year at home was wild. Um, I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, I think when you go through wild experiences, you know, you tend to forget those details about how bad it was. Um, what made it bad was, you know, we have a ton of equipment in our chicken barn. So they're 60 by 600 feet long. Um, and we have two of those and a 60 by 300 foot long barn. We have 100 motors that run every time we're feeding chickens. And so many motors, so many, so much equipment to talk about. Um, didn't even know how to turn any of this stuff on when we got chickens. So not only were we learning how to operate things, but then um, if anyone's out there has had brand new equipment, you know, you never want to have brand new equipment again. We came in with the assumption that uh, our equipment would work because it was brand new, but that was a very bad assumption to come in. So we're finding things, um, just learning the daily routine. You're, you know, our whole life has shifted um, in terms of routines and just mindset. Um, and slowly it just gets better after time. Um, I think it really took me two years, year and a half, maybe almost two years to really feel like I've got this figured out um, because not only am I figuring out life in the chicken barns, um, but I'm figuring out life on the farm. You know, I've always, I was raised on the farm 
I was, I was always involved, but not in terms of a daily operational involvement. Um, so I'm having to learn things that, you know, I never knew how to do. I'm having to think ahead and work alongside my dad then and now my dad and brother of just, you know, the seasonal operations. Um, and it takes a while to figure that out. So again, here we are four years later, much better place. So to people going back to the farm, it sucks for a long time and then it gets better. Now you were ag communications and a, a second major. Was that right? Ag business, maybe? No, I was uh, agricultural communications with a minor in Engler entrepreneurship. Okay. So you're using, are you using more of the minor than the major now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the major came in handy in college. Um, I had a lot of work experiences in college that I loved. Um, I did some farm broadcasting. Um, I actually interned in Iowa with Farm Her. Uh, I was their communications intern, so I got to do a lot of the, uh, a lot more communicational stuff. But my main thing in college was farm broadcasting. Um, and the entrepreneurship program, uh, just the mindset of it, the, the quality of people that I was around is something that I still am very involved with now. In fact, I'm going back to an alumni um, meeting thing next week. Um, so that entrepreneurship mindset and that community <laughs> from my minor was for sure more valuable than my major, which is hard to say out loud, right? You know, you, you go to college with the hopes that you're choosing, you're picking something that is going to carry you through, but I can't say, uh, it didn't come in handy at all. Cause you know, today I, I put some of my communication skills into play. I had to dust some of them off to get the scene set up. Um, but no, I don't regret communications or anything. Uh, but I, I definitely really lean on my entrepreneurship um, community from college. Well, and I do want to, again, say thank you in this. I also said it before we started. Thank you so much for all the work to to make this happen and to give it a little extra flair. So let's pretend, though, that your parents aren't listening. Uh, when you just said my major didn't, qu I used my minor more than my major. Uh, did they understand that at some point when they, at, when you kind of said, I think I want to come home and raise, be back on the farm as opposed to maybe head into the lane that I thought I was going to be, I guess it would be eight years ago. The conversation didn't happen like that. Um, I went to college uh, just and chose communications um, because I'd been around my mom going to a lot of, um, she's on the Nebraska core board and has served in a lot of different ways, volunteering, just different boards. And I always kind of lean into those communication people. And I thought what they did was cool. So that's kind of how I chose the communications major to begin with. Just kind of pick that lane to head down. Um, about junior year, um, my parents approached me and asked, um, if I wanted a job and generally when my dad says, Hey, Hannah, you want a job? Um, uh, it follows with something like opening the gates or I, some meaning, some job that, you know, doesn't hold a whole lot of value. But when he asked if I wanted a job, um, he meant it. He, they had already decided that they were going to build chicken barns. So we were not a part of that process at all. Um, and I'm glad uh, because that was something that they valued. They wanted to expand their operation. Oh, by the way, they have a daughter that the timing is going to be about right that she can come back full time. So they had to hire someone full time, whether or not it was their daughter. But 
Um, I always had a dream that I would maybe go back to the farm somehow, some way, but before chickens, it was not feasible. You know, my parents joke, I could come back to the farm, but I wouldn't have a paycheck. So building the chicken barns allowed my family to expand and diversify and give um, their daughter a paycheck when she came home to work. So that was... I have to I have to admit though, Hannah. See, I think about you often when I discuss with people from from our chat years ago. Uh, when I ask about uh, farmers that have generations coming in, what do they want to do? Or if I'm speaking to high school groups or college groups, and I'm like, "What is your plan? How has that conversation gone with your family?" Because to me, it sounds like it was uh, a very both honest and uh, frank conversation you had with the family. Am I characterizing your situation accurately? Yeah, I wish I remember some of those conversations a little bit more clearly, but it really starts with the mindset. You know, I I knew my family's history. I've gotten to know it a lot more, but um, my grandpa worked to build something for his sons to come back. My dad adopted that same mindset. So I have a very vivid memory growing up. Uh, we planted trees and, uh, you know, as a child, you're asking questions uh, you know, how long does it take for these trees to grow? And dad said, it won't be in my lifetime. It'll be in yours. I'm planting these trees for you guys, not for me. And I think that's, that was a very, um, pivotal. I shouldn't say pivotal. I don't know. I just, that moment has really stuck with me because early on, I understood that my dad was doing things for us, not just for him, just like mm -hmm. his father did. And, you know, I'm in that spot too, where am I building something? that that can sustain itself um so i encourage people you know when i hear people talk about they want their kids to come back home those decisions those actions start way 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 long before the actual action of that daughter or son stepping back on the farm yeah. um so yeah i was i was i knew i was going to be home two years out but that decision for my parents had been made even earlier than that, in that mindset of, hey, let's think outside the box and do something that's maybe uncomfortable, but is worth it to build and expand what we've got going on. So that that's a mindset that my parents hold. And that's something that they're, you know, instilling in our, us and my siblings as well. And okay, brother, right? Uh, there's a, your brother's there is already there. I forget. Is there anybody younger than you that might be coming back? Yeah, so my sister's two years younger than me. She got married last fall, and her husband, her and her husband work, excuse me, her and her husband live where he works. He works for a farmer feedlot and then also owns his own um, cow herd as well. And so the goal, of course, will be for them to come back to our farm someday. The timeline of that is, you know, a little bit unknown. And then my brother, who is five years younger than me, um, he has been home full-time for almost a year now, but also works part-time for another farmer feedlot um, as well. So essentially there's mom, dad, me, and brother full-time on our farm. And then my sister and my brother-in-law, they're here weekly. They're staying involved. They definitely know what's going on. Well, that, that makes um, it uh, fun to be working together when everything's going well. So <laughs> I, I guess let's ask. <laughs> Going well. It, everything's going it well. <laughs> uh, the chicken business, I'm guessing, 
has been a little bit of a challenge. We we see these stories about avian flu. So again, if I step in an area where you're not supposed to say anything, how has the uh, the biosecurity of keeping disease and illness out of the birds been going for you? Yeah. So the biosecurity mindset is new for us, right? We have we have cattle. We don't we don't have the biosecure biosecurity protocols on the cattle side like we you know were introduced to on the chicken side. So disease walks in on two feet. And for us on our farm, there's on average three people walking into our barns a week. I'm daily operations, so I'm doing chores every day. Um, my mom, you know, she fills in or it's kind of good for her to be in the barns too, just a different eye. When you're doing the same routine every day, it's good to have someone else check in on things. My mom, you know, still is the manager. And then we have a service tech that comes in weekly. So for us, you know, three people maximum. Um, my hometown of Wakefield, they have Michael Foods, which is a large egg laying um, plant or farm. And so they have multiple farms over a couple miles. There's four big farms, I think, but they have a lot of employees. So when it comes to biosecurity, their risk is naturally going to be higher because they have a lot more vehicles coming in and out, feed trucks, employees, just a lot more service techs, a lot more things happening. So uh, I almost said Wallbombs. Wallbombs is the local name. Michael Foods got avian influenza influenza AI twice last year, which is devastating. Um, they, uh, if you've been to the grocery store, you know, egg prices are really high right now. Michael Foods does not, is not an egg laying. Their eggs do not end up on the shelf. They make more dry egg product. Anyways, um, thankfully for us both times, because we're within a few miles of where the AI was confirmed, um, we had shipped birds the week before. So the level is higher. The risks were higher. Um, you know, last spring, because a lot more barns were getting it. And that's during migration season. Um, but just naturally in our timeline, we had already shipped birds, so we were empty. How it impacts us is um, we generally have about four weeks of downtime. Once they tested positive, they the um, Department of Ag comes in and says, you can't bring in birds in and out of the control zone. So we've we are now on month three of without being bird, without having birds because uh, Wakefield had to go through the whole system. So instead of having a month downtime, we've now had three months and we get birds in a week and a half now. So you're empty birds right now. Yes. Um, and been that way for three months. Yeah. So wow. since the end of November. So is that, that's not quite. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's getting there. Get, yeah. It'll be about three months by the time we get birds. Um, so there's pros and cons of being empty that long. Um, con, you get out of the routine. I'm still, you know, uh, my, my dad and brother do morning feedlot chores, but I'm still there at a decent time, just depending on the day. But not there as early at the farm as what I would be if I had my seven o'clock chicken chores. So I kind of got to get back into the routine of things. And I'll, a con of being empty for so long is that when the equipment sits idle and not running, um, the startup of getting all the feeders and everything to work again, turned on again, is sometimes a little sketchy because you don't know. You're like, last time I used this, it was working. But then when it sits still for so long, um, rust or whatever, whatever happens and things don't turn on quite as gracefully as when you shut things off. 
How's your mechanical skills gone? You mentioned uh, you talked about new equipment doesn't always work the way it is. Well, how are you fixing anything as, or have you uh, relegated that to someone else? Yeah, that's been a big journey. So, you know, when we first started, we have, we didn't even know how to turn on things. We didn't know how to feed the chickens. Of course, we had people helping us along the whole way. Um, so, you know, our chickens never went hungry. But um, over the years, we have become pretty proficient. So I can I can fix a lot of things. Um, sometimes it's above my head and I have to call in my dad. Um, we also have a service tech that we have a really great relationship with. But I'm to the point where I can diagnose a lot of issues. Um, Early on, when I'm talking to my service tech, he would say something and I would have absolutely no idea what he's even talking about. But now I know like how the barns work, the systems. Um, I know what I'm looking for if something's not working correctly. Um, so my diagnose skills are A+. Plus. My mechanical skills uh, vary on what exactly is wrong. It's a, Each situation is different. For you. Correct. Okay. And it's um it's kind of fun. Like I never want anything to break down, but if something breaks down and it's broken down before and I fix it, I get a little excited because it's like, heck yes, I can solve this issue on my own without having to call my dad or service tech. Um, so those small wins definitely be a little bit bigger because uh yeah, Hannah four years ago didn't even know an ounce of what she's doing now, not to be talking in third person, but I've learned a lot. Well, okay, so that's on the on the mechanical side, and you talked a little bit about the AI uh, or the, the 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 avian flu. The it, when you said USDA came in and said you can't do certain things, um, are they telling you now that protocols are going to be different, or is your who you buy from different? Have you had to make any changes that way, given that there's been positives around you, other than you've just gone longer time between having birds? So the cool thing about being uh, a contract grower is all that decision-making is taken off of your plate. Um, there's some cons of being a contract grower because as farmers, we're used to making our own decisions, you know, having complete control over everything we do. Now, since we're working with LPP, they're the ones that are making those decisions with for us. Um, so those conversations we are not involved in we are just told by our service tech what we what we do we kind of get our marching orders uh from our service tech so he's the one like this is when the birds are coming this is what happening so in terms of any of that administration stuff and those conversations i have no idea what things change how they change um because we're not involved in those mm -hmm. conversations okay all right uh just curious that, that's just you know we we report on it and yes the story uh in fact we just talked about it on the show last week talking about uh, uh the egg prices on an inflation it's like well we we've been telling you about i mean this audience of market to market they they're fully aware of what's going on uh with with chickens and eggs and turkeys and things like that so uh okay four-year hannah uh, I see in your feed, you can't quite shake the camera in the communications things. What have you been doing media-wise on that communication side of your major? Yeah. Um, so I come from a strong, let me back up. I love my family's history. Uh, so I'll promise I'll tie it into current day, what I'm doing with my camera. Um, you know, throughout college, when I visited my grandma, I... Um, became more aware of all the history books that she had, all the photographs. 
And as time went on, I realized like I have such a gift that has been given to me in terms of knowledge um, about anything I want to know about my family. There's photos of everything and a lot of stories written down. And so that got my wheels spinning, right? I'm a communications major. I just naturally uh, think in terms of storytelling. And I picked up a camera um, originally, you know, just my phone to just simply document what's going on on the farm and printing the photos because I have a hundred years plus of history photographed and detailed and documented. And I'm not going to let that tradition stop. So I'm going to carry that tradition on for my family. Over the years, um, I've learned that I really enjoy photographing other people as well. Um, I'm not very good at talking about it because I just simply started it for myself. And then, you know, I have friends or family ask if, you know, I could do photos for them. And then I find a mentor. She's helping me. And I'm now shooting weddings every once in a while. Uh, my goal with photography is to more so photograph more farm families working. Um, I think of the most important photos or the most valuable photos that I have of my family is of them working. You know, when I think my grandpa passed away 12 years ago, and when I think of when I vision my grandpa, I have a very, uh, a very distinct image of him in my head, and that's of him working. And there's not you know, there's photos of him working, but not a ton, you know? And so those photos are special. I want to make sure that other people have those photos as well, because not everyone even has photos of them working. Even myself, you know, I take photos of a lot of other people working, especially on my farm. You know, I have a lot of photos of my dad and my brother and sister, a lot of things going on. I don't have a lot of photos of myself working. Um, so I have just picked up the camera and I'm hoping to just, you know, document, simply document other families working together, um, because it is kind of a business that is changing and is, it's always evolving. And so how can I document the moments that they're working together so that they can be printed out and passed on down for generations? Well, when you have the gift of the eye of what makes a good shot and you know, what makes a good story, uh, generations to come are going to appreciate your work. Um, and in fact, I'm, I wish more would do it. Uh, I do enjoy the social media aspect of people who have documented their farms because let's face it, it's a great canvas to work with when the sky is the, the great color or, uh, there's steam f coming out of the feed wagon as it's heading down through the lot. I mean, there's some incredible images and to make it your family that's in them, that has to be special too. Yeah. And I learned, um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to take photos when you're working yesterday. My brother and I brought corn, uh, the cows home from corn stalks and it'd be so cool to have, you know, image of us walking, you know, work chasing the cows in, um, I can bring out my phone. I take Instagram stories every once in a while and then post them later. I'd take some photos, but that's hard. You know, that my attention is getting taken away from what's in front of me cows to my phone of trying to snap that photo. And so I know what it's like when you're working, you can't take those photos. So my dream is for families to welcome me onto their farm and they're just going about their normal business and I'm taking photos of them. You're just a, a fly on the wall or, a, you know, you just, you're just kind of hanging out and, and you capture them. Uh, and you did any of that? Oh, go ahead. 
because I come from a farm, I know things don't always go as planned. And sometimes there's big emotions or big tensions. And so I, I like to think that I have a handle on, you know, or know how to handle things like those and know that, you know, if something happens or something breaks down and big emotions come up, like that doesn't bother me because it happens to us all the time too. And it happens to everybody. You have to remind that farmer that uh, you're not the only one that had a breakdown. You're not the only one where something didn't go right. In fact, if nothing went wrong, then <laughs> yeah, you're really the, yeah. who are you? How is that possible? This isn't Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just, I try to, it sounds silly, but I try to glamorize our work. Um, there's There's a splendid isolation to what we do. You know, we're on the farm every day working big emotions sometimes big decisions to make but even in the small moments like there, sometimes those moments aren't fun so I kind of glamorize what we do in my own eyes and like what's the best way to take this photo how can I tell the story um because washing water tanks is not fun but it's kind of fun to be washing water tanks with all the cows looking at you behind you so it's like that would make a great photo so I just I just glamorize my everyday life as best as I can and picture it in my head. And I want to do that the same for others, but with a camera in my hand. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I know that uh, some of the farmers that we have gone and visited with and, and like ridden along with, and sometimes they'll be like, don't show me, but I know that there's people on in their family that want them to be seen. And I can speak from a very personal standpoint of, I do have images of my father uh, uh, harvesting and I don't have any of him planting in the sense of video that I've shot for market to market. And just recently, some of that video showed up and the guy that farms our land uh, texted me during the show and says, I recognize that combine. And so it was fun to have that flashback now that he's gone and a few of us can share in those. So keep doing what you're doing, Hannah. That's all I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks. I appreciate it. We talk about the four years before. And since you've graduated, what are the next four years in line for you? Well, if you had asked me that four years ago, I wouldn't have been able to answer it how it played out. And I'm pretty sure I don't I don't know how to answer it now either. Um, life changes quickly. Uh, and we all know that. But it seems like as life goes on, you know, things change quicker and quicker. Um, the next four years, I, you know, I'm not going anywhere on the farm. It's I'm very confident that I will be on the farm in four years, and I hope that's true. Um, we're going to continue to grow and tweak our operation in the best way possible. You know, margins get tighter and tighter every time, every year. And so what can we do to level up some of our systems and operations? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I'm really content where, with, with where I'm at. I'm really happy to be home. Um, I really like being involved in my community. Um, I really like telling people's stories through photography. So I have a, I have a feeling that the next four years are going to have some sort of mixture of, uh, the farm, the family, uh, photography, and so much other goodness that I have no idea what's in store. I love it. You don't know. That's the, that's the joy of the journey, right? Yeah. And I really, you know, try to embrace the moment as cliche as that is because, um, it life does change really fast. We've had we've had a few things happen recently. You're like, just hang on tight because you never know what might happen. But I I know I uh, I find the joy in every day, even in the hard moments. 
Um, working with family day in and day out is hard. It is so hard, um, but it is so worth it. And I'm just excited that I get this opportunity. Um, I don't, I just don't get it. I, I've worked for it. I've earned it. Um, and I'll continue to earn it. I'll continue to work for it. Um, and I'm excited to see where we're at in a few years. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about upgrading, you know, to a hydraulic chute, something like that. I hope in four years, I'll, I can say we have a hydraulic chute. There's just some things like that, that I know that can really level up our operation that uh, will come to fruition in a few years. And it's hard to say if we talk again in four years, it would be 2027. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's a so weird cool. number to say. Yeah. And I, I greatly appreciate the time. Thank you so very much. And uh, hopefully that barn gets filled soon and you can get back to that uh, regular routine. Yes. I appreciate your time so much and checking back in. It's been a fun four years um, and life is good. And I know the next four years, four years plus that will just be as good as well. Sometimes you have to dig deep to find joy, and it certainly looks like Hannah Borg has done just that. Feedback, if you have any for the show, can be sent in the form of an email to market-to-market at iowapbs.org. New episodes of the MTOM Show podcast come out each and every Tuesday. We'll see you next time.